0: Love, talk, radio.
1: Hello and welcome to Authentic Messengers. My name is Catherine Van Wetter and I will be your host today. Every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, I have been interviewing different authors from our new book, Life Sparks. All of these interviews will be archived, so if you miss one, you can go to www.blogtalk forward slash authenticmessengers.com. And please visit us on our Facebook page, Authentic Messengers, and give a thumbs up any kind of comments you would like. We would love to hear from you. And the exciting news is that our book, Life Sparks, has been out in print now. So we're going to be having various book signings throughout the state of Oregon and also up into Washington. And I'm sure the other authors who have been posted all around the United States and in other countries. We'll be having book signings as well. So if anyone is interested in purchasing a book, any of you listeners out there, you can either go to Amazon.com or you can go to Authentic Messengers. And so please welcome my guest today, Bobby Lee. I'm really excited to be interviewing Bobby Lee. We've known each other for several years, and it's been really wonderful to watch the progression as he steps fully into what his purpose is, which is right now being a religious science of mind minister and has his congregation down in Cottage Grove, Oregon. And so with that, Bobby, I'd just like to introduce you and just say hello and welcome to the show.
0: Hello, Catherine. Thank you. It's a pleasure to talk with you.
1: Yeah, a lot has happened since we've seen each other and now that you're involved in the Spark series, I'm really excited to hear about what your chapter is and and how it is that you got involved in the process if you'd like to begin there.
0: Sure, I'd love to begin there. Actually, I was blessed to run into a friend that I hadn't seen in a while from the former Uh, center, in the center I graduated in my ministerial training from Eugene Center for Spiritual Living, Tammy Blodgett. And Tammy told me that she had always admired talking to me and listening to me and that I was one of the people that had actually sparked her. And she had formed a business with several people, actually uh, promoting people and promoting a book that was going to be called sparse, which was all going to be about people that had sparked her into a greater growth and understanding of life. And she was curious, would I be interested in to historian? I said, I'd love to. And that was kind of wow. how it
1: started for me. And then I'd from there, you... And so this is going to be a a wonderful opportunity for people to be able to read your chapter in larger numbers other than perhaps the writings that you've had in the past.
0: Yes, that's absolutely true. Um, I don't see too far into the future, so I can't really predict too much other than uh, I believe in the good. So (laughs) it's all good. It's interesting to watch this thing as it grows and develops.
1: Yeah, and I'm also interested in your, in your practice as a minister right now in religious science. What drew you to become a, a minister in that area?
0: I went into a center in Anchorage, Alaska one day, and I walked in on a lady named Nancy Sweeney Pajewski at the time, and she was telling this story um, it just resonated with my heart, and I really admired what she said. And She was talking about releasing things and letting go of things, and that if things were really bothering you and, and burdening you and weighing you down, you actually couldn't let go of them out of anger or fear. You had to love them or release them to move them out of your life. And mm-hmm. she proceeded to tell a story about some people in her center that had been in battle with the IRS for years over back taxes, And finally, the lady decided she actually was going to turn it around and love the IRS and love our government and love what the taxes did. And that turned her thinking around, and lo and behold, IRS settled with her for a tiny amount of what she owed. And that just made so much sense to me. I thought, yeah, I want to listen to what this lady, Nancy, has to say about life. And I started attending her center.
1: That's such a beautiful That's such a beautiful way to turn things around, because really everything that happens to us is neither here nor there, right or wrong. It's all kind of meaningless. It's the meaning that we attach to it, and especially now with with so much fear and anxiety going on in our culture, how have you found that the practice that you just spoke of is helping folks who are finding their way to your center? Well,
0: I teach and I say, and people bring it back to me the truth that while we cannot control what happens to us from the outside world, we can control how we let that affect us personally inside. So, by being able to change my attitude of things toward love and loving, it opens up doors and channels and windows and viewpoints that I wouldn't see if I was thinking only fear or the negative side of things. So by just simply focusing on love, going to love, looking for the love, you always find it. Boy, when you're finding love, things are happening. So why do you I, think I folks
1: remember. have such a... How is it that you think folks have such a difficult time to find love? How come, Why do you think it's so easy for them to collapse into anxiety or into fear? Um. I think it's a habit
0: that that they practice. Um, I think they turn on the TV and they see it that way. It seems to be a habit in our Western model that people have a low self-image and talk mm-hmm. about that. So I'm seeing that with people. They seem to have formed the, the habit of talking about sharing the bad things that happen to them. They turn on the news. That's what they see. Well, actually... There's good things going on at the same time all around, they just aren't seeing. So by trying to take the focus away from things as bad, but perhaps as having some good to it, begin to see that there's good. And I tell the story that in my life just about everything that I thought was a complete disaster and was bad and was hard for me and where people were up in retrospect was the greatest thing I needed. It was the lessons I needed to learn to be the me I am now, to move forward in life. And
1: -hmm. that changed
0: my outlook on, on things, recognizing that if I focus only on the world of effect, I'm blinding myself to the world of beauty that's surrounding
1: it all the time. Oh, that's beautiful. So So, as you do your ministerial work down in Cottage Grove, do you teach others how to do this so that they're not always looking outside themselves for treatments, as they call them, prayer treatments, right? Is that the right term? What
0: they they do.
1: Yeah, well, I try to do that.
0: Um, Yeah, I, I just try to do it by example. You know, as a minister, we have classes and that I teach weekly classes and my talks every Sunday. I try to bring in real-life experiences of my own, myself, to explain the situations I was in and things I did and what I saw and what was happening when I was living fear and negation ruled me and then the changes that happened when I saw different ways to see things. Um Well, f- when I for discovered the years that, that there was no blame, there was no one to blame, mm-hmm. and that blame was a wasted energy for me.
1: Mhm: Yeah, and, and I was just going to say with, with the years that I've known you, I've, I've seen that you've gone through your own personal hardship with health and also family things going on, and, and how well you were seemed resilient and resourceful in coming back to a place of balance. So obviously what well, you're doing, something is working well with that. Well,
0: I've learned a few things. And one is that it's not all about me. Mm-hmm. So sometimes once I have kind of surrendered my will to be control of the outcome of things and just show up and be present with love and awareness and look around, I was able to discover that sometimes the gift and my illness was the people I met along the way that, that seemed to be helped by my situation I was in. And often, the gift for me in the healing came not necessarily from the doctor or the medical treatment, but from the people that were administering it. The sparks mm-hmm. of life and love that I saw and the stories I heard from people that were uplifting. And man, when, when I'm finding life... Uplifting and loving and funny, it just feels good. It's a healing mode, son. Mm.
1: Well, so I noticed that. I noticed that one of the one of the Q, op, Q process workshops. What is that's something yeah. that you offer through the center? The the art and practice of living with nothing and no one against you. Can you talk a little bit about sure. what that is yeah. and how that? That's
0: actually a program that was developed by unity minister, Reverend Dr. Gary Simmons, who's the leader of the Spokane uh, Unity Center now. Uh, He was one of the people that I met, actually, at a national organization. They put on a workshop with his partner, Rima Benaria. And and it was about living in a world with nothing and no one against you. And that just resonated with me. Um, I went to his workshop and I was so interested in it. Then I found out further workshops, multiple day workshops, and the process, The 20 he's got a process that he calls the Q process, the Q effect, which is a 21-day practice that you practice every day for 21 days um, with the thought in mind that you actually, like I said, you cannot control necessarily what happened to you in life from outside, but you can control how you affect it. And in this process, you look at your life and you go back and examine it from a viewpoint of the things that you think happened to you and the decisions you made about them. What if you and the person that was involved in creating the situations that caused you so much pain actually were coming from your cue card, which is your quantum reality card, which is the truth of who and what you are, which is love and abundance and compassion and all of the good things we are, which is what we truly are, rather than from your shadow card, which is the side of you that got built up from decisions you made as a small child with all the information being missing of the fear, the feelings, the hurt, the pain, decisions that you made about life and how life was that might not necessarily be true. So Mm -hmm. you go back into the practice of looking at the situations, imagining what would happen, if you knew what you knew now about nothing and no one against you and being surrounded by a field of love of God and retelling the story, but not only you, those adults that unknowingly harmed you in so many ways, what if they knew that? What would they have done differently? So you rewrite yeah. the story. You retell the story from a different viewpoint. That's probably so the not- deal as the <laughs>
1: So it's not really, it's, real. it's not going into denial about some of this background. It's, it's re-narrating in a way that if we're stepping into the future with not knowing what's going to happen, we'll step in with the gusto of possibility. Is that part absolutely. of what you're saying? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. You absolutely place the story that you created back into that infinite wave of possibility, opening up the wave of infinite possibilities as options for you and your life and what happened and what if. So you mm-hmm. actually energetically move yourself out of the fear and the darkness and the shadow and into the light and the sunshine and the quantum physics of unlimited possibilities for good. Place hmm. that in the realm of that, which opens you up to in your life. Did wow. You, so it. <laughs> It's,
1: it was so the it's most moving
0: work that I've done. It's equally as moving as your family constellation work for me. Wow. In my ministerial training, it was the most moving work I did, and so that's why I went and pursued it to become, uh, be able to be a certified coach.
1: So, if someone were interested in in learning more about this, is there, and they're not in the area that that you live, and they want to self motivate, are they? Is there Availability for them to be able to access online to go through this process, or is it best that someone works with a coach like yourself to move through? Yeah, well, there's books about it,
0: the subject. there are coaches there are coaches, people that teach from very different standpoints. We now have a lot of online teaching. There's a number of ways to go about finding the information. You just mm-hmm. go in and search it call me up and talk to me and I'll help point you the way if no other way. Uh,
1: Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) You've always been, you've always been very generous with, with offering your love and your support to folks and wondered where do you go for yourself to find the love and support, you know, as you, as you move through some of the challenges of your own life, who did you go to?
0: That that's a really good question. I've gone to a lot of people my entire life. I was fortunate enough to be raised in Alaska where we really knew that we didn't make it ourselves. We didn't make it on our own. We made it with the help of others. People didn't lock mm-hmm. their doors. It used to be a, a, a law when I was a child in Alaska that you didn't pass somebody walking down the road in the wintertime. You picked them up, gave them a ride. So wow. we knew we made it by helping each other. It's mm-hmm. like the Irish proverb that said, we live in the shadow, and it it's by the shadow of each other's lives that we live. It's in the shelter of each other's shadows that we live, in the shelter of each other that we live. Wow. So And that's what I do. I, I can go to anybody, anywhere, anytime. Uh, and, and beyond that, I've developed a strong faith. So I know the mm-hmm. source of mind. My good is not another person It's the spirit that surrounds us uh,
1: Wow So it's living I'm sorry Living where to... you grew up It sounded like such a wonderful community And wondered what, what propelled you to leave Alaska Was your calling bigger than Alaska Or were there life circumstances that brought you away from Alaska
0: Yeah, there were life circumstances. Um, I was actually on the path to becoming a practitioner of science of mind, which is now known as Center for Spiritual Living. Um, And I had an uncle that lived in Oregon who passed away. I came down and buried him in it. He didn't leave a will, so it took almost two years to settle his estate. And I met people at the Eugene Center for Spiritual Living to continue my education towards being a practitioner, Uh, Reverend Eugene, uh, from Eugene, Reverend Linda Finley. And at the end of my practitioner training, after I graduated, Linda got in touch and said, look, I'm going to teach one class of ministerial students and one class only, and we're going to start it in two weeks, so if you want in, you better do it. Well, I plan on taking (laughs) some time off after my four years of study to become a practitioner. But um so I moved right on into ministerial training and just kind of continued it. That's how I got to be where I was on this path of being a a licensed science of mind minister. Wow. For me, the way the process unfolded, ended up being eight years of study.
1: That's quite a... That is such a beautiful commitment and wondered if you, if there's a part of you that, that aches for Alaska, Um, do you want to go back there or if you've built the community that sustains you where you are right now, be it in Cottage Grove or wherever you find yourself.
0: Yeah. um, I, I miss Alaska deeply. I, I,
1: you know, I spent 56 years there.
0: I've got friends there. My children are there. My grandchildren are there. My great-grandchildren are there. So mm. I said I always go back to Alaska, but it's bigger than Alaska. It's bigger than Oregon. You know, bloom where you're planted. There were reasons I was called here. I've met people. I agreed to build a new center where one didn't exist, and I watch it grow and shrink and grow and shrink and go through all the growing pains of a new center. It's a, a great, wonderful learning experience for me. It's surrounded by love. <laughs> and what I discovered, Kathleen, as you well know, is people call me the teacher, but actually the students are the teachers. I learn from mm-hmm. people all the time. People have such a gift to give and share. And when you see people really sincerely looking for love and sharing the love that they are, it's just it warms my heart. It warms me. Mm-hmm. Every every Sunday when I give my talks, so sometimes a very small group of people, um, people tell me they've been touched and it moved them, and that's what makes it all worthwhile. But it yeah, moves me. So, they say you teach when you what you need to learn.
1: And so the it ministry... It's a deep belonging in my soul. <laughs> and even if it's this one person who feels inspired and is made to move out of feeling lies that is so kudos to you Absolutely. for showing up no matter how many folks are in in the pews <laughs> or in the chairs in yes. this and that's I, my reference from Catholicism. <laughs> I, I have the classic story
0: about that in my own personal life. When I was taking classes in Alaska I met the wonderful lady Reverend Rainbow Johnson who listen to me for a while. She said, Bobby Lee, you should write a book. And I said, oh, yeah, but I can't write. I've never been able to write. She just came on, Who told you that nonsense? Somebody did you a disservice. Come with me. And she took me over to a group of practitioners of religious science. And she said, this guy thinks he can't write. Would you people help him write an affirmation for him that he can write? So within minutes, this group of people and I came up with this affirmation. I am a highly successful and prolific writer full of creative ideas for the divine publisher. And then I was told to go say this affirmation. I was given a rainbow ribbon with 11 knots in it. She told me to run that ribbon around my neck three times a day each knot say it. And somehow... The number 33 came into my mind, since it was 11 times 3. I did that 33 times 11. By the end of the next week, I was a writer. I was writing. All I did was write. Wow. Lo and behold, my uncle calls me. I'll I'll finish. This will be brief. He calls me to come down here. I make a doctor's appointment. My very first day here, I've written the new post office box number on the out part of my notebook. And I go into this doctor's office. I have this appointment and I get home and I realize, oh, I don't have my notebook. Oh my, I need that number too. So I called up the clinic and I said, did I by any chance to leave a notebook there? And the lady said, does it have a green cover? I said, yes. She said, oh yes, you left it here. So I go back there and when I walk in the door, she said, he's here. The clinic more or less emptied out and came to look at me, and they handed me this notebook that I'd left behind in the doctor's office, and on it was a note. Dear sir, you don't know me, but you have saved my life. Mm -hmm. I opened this book, and what I read was life-changing and absolutely what I needed to hear at the moment, to even have the desire to keep living. Thank you, and God bless you.
1: Wow.
0: So... My affirmation was that I was a highly successful and prolific writer, full of creative ideas for the divine publisher. Mm-hmm. Now, what could I have possibly done if I'd have written fifty books and was a bestseller all over, to have put that book in front of that person at that time? Nothing. Mm-hmm. I left it right. behind in the room. The divine publisher put it in that person's hands that changed their life, and I realized that I never wrote
1: another thing
0: there was the purpose of my writing
1: wow oh that's beautiful bobby so see that was one person
0: catherine that was one Mm -hmm. person how do we know what that one person is writing and doing and doing to change the world so it's not the numbers of people that are in the pews
1: (laughs) right wow well i have a question because there's been so much said about affirmations and whether people believe in affirmations or not, really all our thoughts are a form of affirmations. How how are your affirmations and what you're referring to different than other people's affirmations like I'm beautiful, I'm kind, I'm lovely? What, how is your process different than the traditional ways of looking at affirmations or creating affirmations? Well, I don't
0: really know that they are different. I just know that for me, what an affirmation is, is something that I set for myself as a spiritual practice. Spiritual practice. As I say this, I'm raising my arms up and down as if I'm raising weights, lifting weights, I'm practicing. And that's what the whole part of an affirmation is. It gives you an opportunity to practice a spiritual act, which increases your connection to the allness, to the whole, to that precious mm. beloved that I call the universal energy. It just puts you in connection with life. It's your affirmation. We know that it's done as you believe. And the more you want to have your life turn out the way you want it and recognize that as you believe it works that way, you practice what you believe. You believe you're surrounded by good. Say it, do it, practice it. Remind yourself of that. It's so easy to get caught up in the negative and the appearance of less than good. Like I mm-hmm. say, that we could be blinded to this huge amount of unlimited possibilities of good that surround us. That's what affirmations are about just affirming the good parts we believe in life. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, Murphy's Law. I remember as a young as a child, I believed in Murphy's law. I was raised by an army officer and a gentleman. He was definitely had this Irish connection, and he would say Murphy's law all the time. Um, which Murphy's law essentially says, if something can turn out wrong, it will. And I decided that in my life, I was going to make Bobby's law. And this is Bobby's law: if something could turn out better, it will. Mm-hmm. And so. In my life, if something can turn out good, it will. It does. That's my affirmations. Uh, I'm just affirming my belief in goodness and practicing it. And it helps me do that and see that.
1: And it's also moving you out of just saying, I am beautiful, I am kind, I am whatever. You're also including all that is, the divine spirit, God, however people make reference to the bigger unfolding of who someone is. It's almost like saying an affirmation and then also moving out of the way in order for life to put in front of you what is your highest good.
0: Absolutely, that is the truth. You absolutely have said it all. Thank you.
1: Wow. Wow well it's inspiring to it's inspiring to hear how you've connected and how you are walking your talk because I know I remember when you had pretty critical health issues and the the deep knowing that you were going to be okay, and even if one is not okay, it's still in its perfection because we don't know what's best for us and so i I guess that's the part where I was talking about the affirmations how does one get out of their own way if they want something in an affirming way. How do they know that it is for their highest good?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's faith that gets grows as you practice it. You know, as you practice it and believe it and say it and look and become more aware, your faith grows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I have uh, some help because I really looked and. Found that those people that I read, those people that I studied in life, the people that really moved me I'm talking about people like Martin Luther King, John F. Kennedy, Mahatma Gandhi, Ernest Holmes, all had some common beliefs, and one of them was that life was eternal and life went on. Mm -hmm. Emerson, Emma Curtis Hopkins, on and on. The people that I really admire and seemed to me to live the life that I emulate and want to live, all shared that belief about life going on. Yogananda Paramahansa, a Yogi, his belief, that whole Eastern philosophy belief about life going on, the Hindu belief. It's it's just pretty widespread and then ongoing and the great spirit and moving beyond this life. Mm-hmm. And I know when my dad passed away in my arms that what I was holding was no longer what my dad was, but everything my dad was was still here. But that body is, was a body, and it was done. It was used up. It was finished. My dad was so much more than that. He was still there. And it just sparked me to know that there's life beyond what I can see here. I think it's an ongoing thing. That gives me that ability, that faith to know it's beyond what I can see. It's faith in the unseen, that it's ongoing. To me, this whole beautiful life that we share and that we live and that we go on um, and the wisdom of my elders that have gone before me all leads me to think that there's an ongoing thing beyond what I can see. There's this energy that continues beyond what I can see. Now, matter matter changes, but only changes. It doesn't disappear. It's still energy of one form and going on. So I think mm-hmm. there's life beyond this. And there's life mm-hmm. beyond what's here. And that lets me know there's more in the unseen than there is in the scene. So, and
1: so the there's scene. <laughs> and there's many folks right now, it's there's been writers, spiritual writers who have talked about the sense of hopelessness, demoralization I know with the work I do with working in the area of suicide with the University of Washington, that that is on the uprise. Depression is on the uprise. And wondered, you know, how with what your premise, your belief, your ministry um, brings forth in you, how do you help those who may have lost their way and are so much in the mundane moment of the 3D world Having forgotten that they ultimately are spirit, they are God, they are universe. How do you? How would you assist someone to help them?
0: That that's a really good question. Um, sometimes it appears to me as if I'm not helpful, um, but mainly that's by being there, by listening, trying to offer an acknowledgement that I'm hearing what they're saying and that they aren't alone. Uh, and the recognition that they are in control of their life. I'm, I'm not in control of their life. I can show them my way, but I know they have to have their way, and they're free, free to make the choices that they make and to mm-hmm. live with the results of the choices they make.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, and that's... so. <laughs> That can – I know working with some folks, and I I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this, but I, I sense that as a culture, and we'll just speak of the United States because that's a culture I'm familiar with, is that for, for so long, so many looked outside themselves for satisfaction, for health, for wellness, well-being, financial, you know, partnership, looking outside oneself – And in some ways, the way that things have evolved with the downswing of the economy, with what's going on with the polarities of the political system, there's a lot of arousal and a lot of deconstruction happening where folks who had so much are now to their knees and not able in many ways to get back up again. I suppose you could use the term assumed helplessness, not knowing how to take care of oneself. And from that point, you know, it's I see so much of what you have to offer, and also how do you how do you help people recognize one, the accountability and responsibility of where they are, and also give them the courage, the insight, and the and the stamina to get themselves up and out. Do you have any thoughts on that? that,
0: that that's a, a really good point. Um. And it's so hard to say what and how you do that because it differs in every situation. Mm-hmm. But I have to tell you, the first thing is I mean, I have such a deep, abiding faith and faith that wisdom is something that is always available to me, but it's not me. You know, it's something surrounding me at all times. It's not necessarily me or mine, but it's given to me when I need it. So I try to move out of the way and look for wisdom and intuition. I actually pray. God. Let me listen and let me hear. Let me make the connection. That's the best connection I can for this moment, for divine right action to take place. Mm -hmm. I've been heartbroken by people's actions. When I was a middle-aged young man running crews in Kotzebue, Alaska, working with Native Americans, a a fellow that I thought was going to end up being the leader of the whole Northwest Arctic Native Association, chose to kill himself and did and it just devastated me. It broke my heart. I didn't understand it. Um, Mm -hmm. He made the choice to leave and Mm -hmm. I knew him as as this wise, kind, intelligent, loving, sensitive being feeling the pain of everybody around him and he made that choice and he did I It took me a long time to get over. I actually went back to myself and tried to look and see, well, what happened to me that I didn't make that choice? I, like so many people, I, I had a box of suicide in my life, but I had never got to the point of actually planning it and going and doing it. And what I realized about me was I grew up being responsible and caring for other things. In my case, it was dogs. It was a little, I was a little sled dog racer. I had all these dogs mm-hmm. that needed to be fed and cared for and food gathered and the effort to keep them going. And they gave me a lot of joy. They'd look to my face. they loved me unconditionally. Thank God for dogs. That's where I learned unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually went went back to Cotterbue to help start a nonprofit corporation helping village kids mush dogs again, so they'd have things to do, to be responsible for, to live for, to get outside, wow. to not get trapped in front of the television set in the gloom and the doom. Uh, and The the nonprofit corporation that I helped start didn't work. When I left, it it didn't continue. There was no continuity to it. But we touched some people. And one of the people, and one of the ways I saw it, I learned a lot about what I believed and what I believed and how I did things wrong. But one of the people that ended up being a young man that was interested in it and uh, grew to be a, a leader in that area and got dogs and started mushing dogs, Ended up being the first Eskimo to win the Addit John Baker. What a wonderful man and a good friend of mine. So, yeah, that nonprofit. And you know what John does? And what he did immediately? Came back and took his dog team to different schools around and talked about, look, this is what you can do and how you can do it. So mm-hmm. he had a different approach. They kind of approached the same way.
1: Wow. And the whole
0: point in that was being occupied with things that make the world a better place where you're of service. People and things helps give that desire to go on, and when yeah. you don't have that reason to show up and give and share with somebody else, it's pretty easy to start thinking about just yourself and thinking that's all there is, and it's mm-hmm. pretty gloomy. But
1: yeah, it can be and giving pretty... with others, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and it can be pretty um, self. Self-limiting, when someone is so self-absorbed, there's a beautiful term to move from self-centeredness to centered self and going out in the world and being of service. And I remember working with folks in community mental health who were despondently depressed and kept going down the proverbial path. pool of of despair and darkness and I would always invite them to go out and work at the soup kitchen get out of themselves in order to get out of themselves to see how precious their life was and yet it was also a choice that many made um, to not do that and so the suffering for them continues right absolutely Mm -hmm. yes Wow. Well, it really is. It's so it's so wonderful and heartening to hear that there are so many ways for people to move up and out of up and out of who they are, who they think they are, to re-narrate their story, to move forward in love and grace and peace, um, and to truly create a world that we're all wanting to step into and be within which is one of harmony and interconnectedness so thank you for for doing the beautiful work that you do to help make that possible
0: well you're welcome thank you you know the truth is that i'm the one that grows and gains when i give and that was the thing that i really figured out that when i was being of service quote to people i was actually serving myself Mm -hmm. Uh, that taking that lesson in Alaska about we all make it thanks to each other and help it, uh just kind of grew and globally came that way uh, Yeah, to do that. Well, thank you. So that that first gift of unconditional love and forgiveness has to be to yourself. And mm-hmm. that's what I really learned as I saw the people that were crying out for it, I realized I had an awful lot of things that I had not done right in life. And I was pretty hard on myself about it. And I didn't have too much to give other people until I really dug into that and accepted myself as how I am with all my dark side. And that's what I learned in becoming a minister and a speaker was the best gift I could give was my authentic self Mm -hmm. so that I could, because if I could show and reveal myself as I am, it allowed other people to be who they were and forgive themselves. Which is what you have to do before you can forgive others, truly.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an inside job. And that goes back to the point where many people.
0: Yep. Yep. And to recognize, oh my goodness, I'm surrounded by this field of good, this field of lovely, beautiful things, if I just will allow myself to see that. Uh, Yeah blessed also as a 25 year old man to have somebody hand me a book that was called the lazy man's guide to enlightenment. And that was probably one of the major movements of the book. It took me quite a while. I, I probably read that book every day for 10 years. Um, and I still buy copies of the book and share it with people. And that was my first idea or concept as, um, And before the book, in the opening paragraph about the book, the author asked this question. Imagine there was one thing in this world and one thing only. And that thing was God. And that was even beyond my ability to begin to conceive of when I first read that. as I kept going back to it again and again. And I pictured everything I saw as God. And then I started listening to what I read and heard from so many different philosophies and religions and the way of lives of God being omnipresent. Well, we can, wow. God's omnipresent. What does that mean where God is? Does that mean God's in mm-hmm. me? Well, yes. Does that mean God's in you? Well, yes. Well, in the flower, yes. In the stone, yes. In the bird, yes. The, if God is omnipresent, that means God is at the center and the circumference of everything, everywhere. So then I tried to picture God, and I could not picture God far beyond my ability to picture God in one thing. But that everything was God and God was the sum total of all of it, that worked for me. And then to say, well, what if it wasn't God? What if it wasn't God like the way I was taught the word God? This thing? What if it was like universal energy? What if it truly mm. was love? Synonym for God, love, good, synonym for God, good. What if were, what if everybody was right for themselves? What if everything was wow. perfect as it was? So mm-hmm. I mean just so much to contemplate that began opening my viewpoint of possibilities
1: and unlimited possibilities. Wow. Well, wow. Well, as we're as we're talking away, I'm I'm aware that I I haven't asked you about your um, chapter in the book. Spider is your grandmother, is the name of the title. Would you like to talk a little bit about what your chapter is? We have about ten more minutes, I would say.
0: Um. Yeah. Sure. Uh, since that's what brought us here together, it's quite interesting to me when I was offered an opportunity to tell a story that that's the one that came out from but um spider is your grandmother a friend of mine, a beautiful Native American lady from the Yukon territory, one of the first peoples, came to me after my mother's death and um, offered to help me with my sadness to lead me to find my spirit guides onto a journey to help find healing and a path through my grieving, because I was grieving a lot. It was heavy on me. And anyway, in the course of this, she invited me to sit down, and uh, asked me if I was comfortable with sitting and meditating while she drummed and chanted, and I said, yeah, I would be quite comfortable with that. And then she said, would you please just follow your thoughts and your thinking, your mind, and when three animals come through, follow those three because those three will be your spirit guides and they'll lead you in a direction that is a direction for you. So I agreed to that. And as she started drumming and chanting and I sat there with my eyes closed, all of a sudden
1: I realized a spider was
0: crawling up my leg. And this spider continued crawling up my leg until it crawled all the way up to where my hands were folded in my lap I was sitting in uh, relaxed meditation position and the crawl started on my arm then up my arm. And all of a sudden and I saw my grand my mother's eyes. I was Hmm. looking into my mother's eyes and I realized that she was looking into my eyes and deep into my soul. And this is going on and I'm looking for these three animals to appear and I'm feeling this spider crawling up me and it almost starts to have me nervous about what's going on, spider, I'm trying to find these three spirit guides and my attention's very distracted by you and here's my mother's eyes and the next thing I know my mother's eyes came my grandmother's eyes. Mm. And once again I felt this deep connection to this feminine side and this approval approval of myself as I was and what was going on. Now, not approval of every act I did, but approval of myself as a being that was a growing, learning being that was carrying on what had been passed on to me. And the spider continues on, and I continue looking for these three things, and the next thing I know, I'm looking at my great-grandmother's eyes and my maternal grandparents' eyes. And for the next few minutes, while Edna continued to drum and chant, all of these feminine eyes come into my mind. And I'm looking deeply and I'm seeing things and I'm recognizing this huge feminine teaching that created me that I've run into. And now how all my life, so many wise women were available to me and helped me and helped nourish me and nurture me and helped me grow and thrive. And that this continued on and on, these eyes after eyes, none of which I recognized after a while, but it continued on as the spider continued on and across. Finally, it crawled up my neck and actually across my chin and down my other arm and shoulder and down my other leg until it crawled off. And shortly after it crawled off, Edna finished her drumming. And I sat there in the silence for a while, kind of in awe and a little bit disappointed that I didn't see those three spirit animals that I was looking for, but not quite understanding what all had taken place. And knowing that something powerful, and magnificent. had, but it wasn't what I was expecting with three animals to lead me to the way. And then as Edna broke the silence with some deep breaths and she softly said to me, would you mind sharing with me what you found and experienced and what your three animal guides were And I said, well, to tell the truth, it, I was actually deeply disappointed because as you started drumming and chanting, a spiders started crawling up with me. And, and before I could finish, she said, oh, spiders. In my culture, spiders are your grandmothers. Hmm. Spiders bring you wisdom and good. We never harm spiders. And at that moment, goosebumps came over my entire body. I call it this goosebumpalicious feeling and awareness that my spirit guides were not three animals for me to follow, but was the series of the feminine genes that had created me Mm. from the beginning. And that it was okay. And it was not necessarily for me to understand, but it was for me to accept and love. And there was just too much coincidence for me to have gone through that and have Edna tell me, in her culture, spider is your grandmother, and I recognized, yeah, that was my grandmother. Was wow. my grandmother, so led me back on that whole way. And grandmother to me represents mother this mm-hmm. wonderful, beautiful thing that I call the precious beloved or universal energy or God. or It's all grandmother. It's all one. I, mm. I have not been able to assign a gender to what I believe in. My almighty, wow. the purple one, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's all. It's all in all. Wow.
1: Which means That's it's beautiful.
0: It's at least half, feminine gender.
1: Mhm.
0: It's all gender.
1: Uh, I wondered if maybe, um, as we're wrapping up, if you would, if you would be willing to do, to demonstrate to folks a, a prayer treatment, maybe on the overall well-being of folks, um, if you felt called to do that. Certainly not wanting to put you on the spot, but if you felt called to do something like that.
0: Well, it's quite funny that you would ask that. Um, that's what I do. Sure. So, <laughs> I will be glad to demonstrate my prayer for the well being of all, which is the well being of myself. To precious, beloved, universal energy, mother, father, God one, but all. I know and recognize that every iota, every cell of my being is created from you. There's no part of me that's not part of you. So all of you is part of me. You and I are one. There is one. There's one thing happening. it's you and it's I. And as such, every every characteristic every amazing wonderful gift of creation that you are that's been given to me is mine and so I know and I recognize just as the promise from that amazing one that led the way Jesus that has done as you believe I know I know to the roots and the depth of my being the power of creation and my understanding and my word and my belief. And knowing that to be the case, I know and I declare the truth of God and good as synonyms, of God and love as being synonymous. So I know the truth of my life is that there's only one God, one love, one good, one life. And I am part of it, and it is part of me, and it is the truth of all. So I know and I recognize this field of God, this field of good that surrounds me now. And at all times, is the truth of my life. And with deep joy and appreciation and gratitude and thankfulness for this gift of the awareness of the good and the beauty and the love that surrounds me, of infinite possibilities of good that are available to me now and always at all times as I recognize there is no limitation placed upon me or my life or the possibilities for me and my life. Other than that, what I would put there, I acknowledge and accept my ability to grow and to understand and to learn and open up Myself to the infinite possibilities Surrounding me of love, of life, of wisdom, of kindness Prosperity and abundance at all times I know that I live in a world where nothing and no one is against me That my God ain't broken There's only one life and that life is God's life And that life is my life now And knowing that power of the gift that is given to me In my word I just released this word to the law of God that always says, yes, yes, my person, yes, honey. I give you as you believe. And i release released this word to the word of the law, and then as I do, it's done. It is truth. Mm-hmm. It is complete. It is wholeness. Mm-hmm. And if you would join me, Catherine, and say, and so it is.
1: And so it is. Thank you, dear Bobby Amen, for Amen sweetheart <laughs> And how Amen. If folks want to get If folks want to get a hold of you What is the best way to do that?
0: Oh, probably my Facebook page Spread love That's a good way to do it Probably okay. it spread love
1: Bobby Lee, spread love. And then also for your Cottage Grove um, CSL Center, Spiritual Living, you have a Facebook page for that as well. We do,
0: CSL Cottage Grove, yes, absolutely. Our service is 3 o'clock every Sunday afternoon, 700 East Gibbs Avenue, the Community Center. Sweet.
1: Okay. And is there anything else that you would like to leave us with?
0: Life is good. Thank you. <laughs> Life is good. Life thank is you. good. Yeah, and I'm yeah, so the, the grateful that prayer,
1: you're the best prayer I know.
0: Mm-hmm. Emerson said it. The only prayer you need to know is thank you, thank mm-hmm. you, thank you. <laughs>
1: and I'm so grateful that your that your health is good and that you're doing well and that you're doing the work that um, that obviously you're here to do. And so, dear listeners, um, thank you for joining us today. i excited to be introducing uh, my next person I'll be interviewing, which is on September 13th. It's Allie Davidson. And Allie will be talking about an experience she had with her best friend's betrayal and how forgiveness occurred um, within her discussion with this person. And Allie will share about how the divine orchestrated the opportunity to forgive and to let go of her pain. And she reminds us that forgiveness happens spontaneously when we accept, let go, and remember to love ourselves, so similar to what we were touching on today. And so for those of you that may have missed this show today, please do go to our blog talk radio forward slash authentic messengers and go to the archive shows where you can listen. I believe that I've done 16 shows now. So you can go ahead and check there. I will also be doing another show either the end of September or the 1st of October on the gifts of sensitivity. I'll be focusing on highly sensitive people and we'll also keep the authentic messengers show going as well. So, again, check out our book, Light Sparks. You can go to AuthenticMessengers.com to be able to get copies. And I believe it's also on Amazon. And do please find us on Facebook, AuthenticMessengers.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. Much love to you, Bobby Lee. And um, be gentle and kind to each and every one of you. Take care. Bye.
0: Bye.
1: Bye, Bobby.
0: Bye, Catherine. Thank you, dear.